uh, share a little bit. Mother's Day is coming up next week, and uh, we just celebrate mothers. Uh, I tell you what, just uh, uh, I, I think back of my mom who is in glory right now, celebrating, uh, and uh, honestly, I, I truly believe the cloud of witnesses are interceding and praying for us with no restrictions, amen? And uh, so I want to share a little bit on family today. It's actually message notes from my wife, Sharon. And so she, she doesn't necessarily like to public speak and, uh, uh, and whatnot, but this was from many years ago. She was teaching at a, at a woman's uh, uh, meeting conference, and uh, I borrowed her notes. I've done it a few times, and, uh, and she gave me permission. No copyright infringement here. And uh, obviously, we switched things around just a little bit, but uh, I just thought, you know what? No, this is... This is from my wife speaking about her family and her children. Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 30. This is not my wife speaking. This is scripture speaking. I'm going to read because I got thinking of that last statement. We're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about this family in Genesis, Adam and Eve. So Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, God created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have dominion over it. Subdue the earth. In other words, conquer the fears of the world. That's one way to look at it. But also be the leaders, be the, be the authority over the earth. Don't let the earth be the authority over you. You are the authority over the earth. Subdue it. Obviously, I love the, the, the process, be fruitful and multiply. We're actually called male and female to come together and raise up family, have children. And you know, some people, some marriages can't have children. But that's okay because there's children out there that need a family, that need a mother and father. I'm very much pro-adoption. If you can't have children, I would drastically cry out to God for wisdom and rescue a child that actually was destined to be yours. Verse 29, and God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. You see, God's original plan for families is to come together as a man and a woman, to have children and subdue the earth. That's the original plan of God creating human beings. Subdue the earth means overcome it, bring it into control, bring into subjection the earth and the things in it. 
I truly believe in the spiritual context that we apply today is that nothing of this earth should be distracting us or taking us away from husband and wife coming together and subduing and being fruitful and multiplying. That nothing should get in our way from anything earthly because spiritually everything spiritually overpowers everything of earth. In the garden, God provided the food we needed for our physical bodies to grow healthy. His desire was to spend time with us and walk with us in the cool of the day. He wanted to commune with us and share with us the wonders of his amazing kingdom. But then sin entered. Entered a paradise. This Garden of Eden was something like we've never seen on this earth. But as sin entered this incredible paradise, and it came into woman, and it came into man, the very first family ever, human family, the very first, because of sin, became a dysfunctional family. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Genesis 4, starting in verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Imagine. No one had ever been pregnant before. Like, they must have figured it out. How this all works. Somehow. I don't know if God was their tutor, instructor, or marriage counselor. I don't know. But somehow or another, they figured it out, and she got pregnant. And the boy's name was Cain. I have acquired a man from the Lord, she says at the end of verse 1. Verse 2, then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So you've got two kids here. Abel just looks after the animals, and Cain is a farmer for produce. Verse 3, and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. It sounds reasonable. It sounds like a great idea, except that wasn't the structure or the desire in God's heart. Abel also in verse 4 brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but God did not respect Cain and his offering. It's interesting. Cain would have known the rules, what God wanted, but yet he chose, which seems very reasonable because of all the hard work, hard labor that he poured into, to raise up his gardens, it would seem reasonable that that labor seemed reasonable for the offering of produce. But it wasn't. God actually didn't like it. Not probably because he didn't like the vegetables, but because he, Cain wasn't following the plan. Verse 5 again, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. My water. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. You see, 
Cain wanted to do it how he thought was best. It wasn't what God said to do. It was what he thought was best. Because God didn't bless the offering, basically, Cain got very angry. And as soon as he got angry, his countenance fell. As soon as he got angry because it wasn't done the way he wanted to do it, his countenance fell. We need to be so careful, people. When we're in a family situation, it doesn't have to be done my way. And if it's not done my way, make sure you don't get angry about it. Because if you get angry about it, your countenance falls and favor starts to dwindle from God in your life. Look at verse 6. And so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? You and I, using it today, if the Lord was speaking to us, I gave you the instruction manual right here, but yet you want to do it your way, which might think it's better. But it's not. And if you do it this way over here, your countenance will fall. And for some reason, you seem to be getting angry about it. And so God says, why are you angry, verse 6, and why has your countenance falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, if you're obedient, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Sin lies at the door. You know, sometimes people feel they're battling sin all the time. I want to encourage you, if you feel that you're battling sin all the time, then you might not be doing Christ in you well. Something's not right. I tell you what, I used to battle sin so much. I'm not saying I don't. Obviously, we all do. But when I was younger, I tried my hardest not to sin, and then I would sin. Oh, God, forgive me. And every week over, and oh, God, forgive me. And then I realized, hold it, I must not be doing Christ well in me. I must not be doing his lifestyle, his testimony well in me. I thank the Lord that I worked so hard at this before I got married, that when we came into the marriage, I met Sharon and we got engaged. I met a woman that was like the most godly woman I know, and she was doing it well. And I thank the Lord that I had learned to do something a little better. But so many times when we get angry, we blame everybody else around us instead of looking at who is Jesus in me. Because it's not everybody else's problem and it's not everybody else's fault. If you're bothered by everybody else and what they're saying about you or doing to you or this and that, what happens is that you're saying that I don't do Jesus well. Verse 7 again, if you do well, God says to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? You want to be accepted? Do well. You want to be accepted? You don't have to be the best singer or the best musician or the best preacher or the best teacher. Just do what you do for God and do it well. 
Because if you don't, sin lies at the door. You get yourself all worked up because you don't seem to be as accepted as you wanted to be? Sin is lying at your door. And it, that sin, desires you. But God says to Cain, but you should rule over it. In other words, you should not be having a temper tantrum right now because you brought the wrong offering. What you should be doing is ruling over that. Because what happened, that anger started to arise in, in Cain, and he started to get angry at his brother because his brother was accepted by the offering of, of, of a lamb, and Cain wasn't accepted. And anger grew, and all that needed to happen was all Cain had to do was go get a lamb and bring the lamb. God spoke to Cain. I'm going to repeat Genesis 4, 7b, the second, second part. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. This is old covenant. Imagine us, the opportunity in new covenant with Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again with Holy Spirit empowering us. Imagine if, if you're not doing well, wake up. Quit doing what you're not doing well because sin's lying at your door. Get up. Rebuke that devil again and walk out into the power of a living Christ, Lord and Savior, Jesus. But Cain could not rule over his sin. He just couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't kill it. Instead, he killed his brother, literally. Poor Abel, I heard your older brother comes and murders you. The value of this person's life of, of Abel is gone. All out of not being obedient and then getting angry when your disobedience wasn't accepted. Whether you look at this as killed physically, I want to bring it to killed spiritually today. I want to use this scripture in a spiritual context. It, we have to be careful that we don't live a life of spiritual murder, being angry, angry at brothers and sisters, thinking, why are they accepted and I'm not? Watch out, because that devil is lying at your doorstep. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> I love this. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, this is new covenant authority. This is what you and I are called into. That we are to bind every devil, every demon, everything attacking. And as a mother or a father, we are to bind first that enemy in our own lives so we can be a living testimony on how to bind that devil in our kids' lives. What an amazing promise we have for families right there. Absolutely amazing. 
Look at John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief, that means the devil, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Do you see what Jesus is saying, what the application of Christ saying here? It's so straightforward. And John is speaking this, that the devil, that lying deceiver, he doesn't come for anything good. He comes to kill and to destroy and steal everything you have. What can he steal? He steals the favor and the blessings that you are called to live in. But the interesting thing in what I believe, spiritually speaking, in the new covenant kingdom gospel is that he's a stealer, but you got to bring it to your front door. He can't just come into your life. He can't just come into my life and steal what he wants to steal. Are you kidding me? I got the biggest alarm and guard dog possible. We have a Rottweiler at home. He's our God, guard dog on our property. His name is Titus. I still call him puppy, but he don't look like no puppy anymore. He's a big dog. And it's probably a good thing he's fenced in when people come to the property. Oh, Mr. Robber, you want to come? Maybe we just let our dog out. Why don't you just try going, hey, puppy? The ferociousness of this word is nothing compared to the demonic realm. Oh, this is the peace that passes all understanding. This is love. This is grace. This is power. This is the most, most powerful force on this earth. People have tried to destroy it. Governments have tried to silence it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, no way, Jose. It ain't going to happen. This is the living Word of God. And even if you stole this book out of my hands, it lives within me. The second part of John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that they, meaning believers in Jesus, I have come that you may have life, and not just life, but you may have it more abundantly. Whatever you had before, now that you are saved, you are to have an abundant life. Oh, but maybe decisions got in the way, and you don't think you need to bring an offering to God. Oh, you bring a wrong one one that maybe doesn't hurt you that much. You see, Cain probably didn't have a lot of sheep, but he had a ton of fruit and vegetables. But God said, bring it. Because God knew that in covenants, it took blood to make the covenants. I thank the Lord that that blood has now been shed on the cross. That's the covenant of God with you and with me. His son's blood flowed down that cross. But Jesus Christ, three days, rose from the dead. The plan for the devil 
What he has for us and our families is to steal and to kill and to destroy. How many of you know that that devil will do whatever he can to steal, kill, and destroy families? It's amazing to me right now how a God-destined country like Canada and America, built on biblical foundational principles, in some way seems to be bringing out laws and structures that seem to be destroying or attacking the family. I want to tell you something. As long as I'm alive, I will silence my ears to hearing the lies of a lying devil and deceiver, no matter what mouth or what law it comes from. I will fight and contend for a husband and wife, marriage and children being raised up in biblical principles of God's in their lives. Do you want a full life in Christ? Well, let's start by looking back what the enemy stole from us. Let's bring back to life what the devil has killed, and let's rebuild what he has destroyed. You see, that's the thing. When the devil kills, takes something, or you have done something, and the devil has come into your front door, and you've ended up giving him something that he took, it doesn't mean it's over. I truly believe God is calling us into a season right now where we are reclaiming what was lost. We are reclaiming what was taken. We are reclaiming what was stolen from us. Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 13, this is where uh, the Israelites were building Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem. But the enemy, he didn't think they could do it. He kind of sat there mocking them because the walls were destroyed. Verse 13, therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Remember what is happening right now. They are trying to rebuild the walls. The enemy is out there watching, doesn't believe they can do it. You know what? I believe that lying devil doesn't think you can rebuild or take back what was lost. He doesn't think you can. Well, guess what? We're here Sunday morning telling you to knowing that you can take it back now. And the openings, and I set the people according to their families. Why? Because in families, there's power. In families, there's authority. With their swords, their spears, and their bows, I tell you what, you better take up your sword today. Verse 14, and I looked and, and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Listen, do not listen to the lies. Do not listen to the enemy, but instead gather together and fight for your wife, fight for your husband, fight for your children, fight for your sons and your daughters, and fight for your own houses. Verse 15. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, every one to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked on at construction while the other half held the spears and shields, the bows, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. 
those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. With one hand they worked and they provided food for their family and they laid hands on their children. They blessed them. They did their things. But one hand was on their sword. was on their sword. You and I are not called to walk out this building or walk out of your house or walk out of wherever you are watching from. You are not called to let go of your sword. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, The work is great. I'm talking to you right now, whole church. The work is great. And the work is extensive. And we are separated far from one another on the wall. But whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Come together. Our God will fight for us. So we labored in the work And half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. And at the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. (laughs) I tell you what, we can't just roll over and play dead when these things are going on around us. We don't just take off our clothes because we're told to. We are clothed with the garment of righteousness. We are clothed with the garment of love. We are clothed with all the blessings of God. And I will tell you what, no matter what circumstances going on around us, do not strip down. Everywhere the people turned, the enemies were there to destroy their plans. Oh, we're in a tough position right now in our nation, absolutely. But think of the Israelites. Everywhere they turned, there was an army, an enemy that wanted to destroy their plans. Not just their plans, but destroy them because they were God's people. But I tell you what, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are God's person. And that enemy might want to destroy you, but I want to tell you, there is an army rising up. And there are walls being rebuilt. Walls, and we always say, well, kick the walls down. No, you need walls against that devil. You need those walls up against that devil. And you open the gate, and you go out, and you evangelize. But you come back into your secret place with him, with God, and spend time with him. Nehemiah also told them to fight Not just for themselves, but for their brothers, their sisters, their sons, their daughters, their wives, and their homes. Don't just be a selfish warrior out there. You are to fight not just for you. You are to fight for everyone in your family. I tell you what, if someone bad comes onto my property, I might lose my pastoral grace, whatever that is. I will tell you what, I will fight. It might not be go punch him in the face. It might be stand out with my sword and my shield, and I say, how dare you come onto my property? 
Justin, bring the guns. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my. This statement that we're not to fight for yourself, that we're to fight for each other, your family. This statement implies that every person in the family fights for each other. In other words, the sons fight for the fathers and the mothers, the daughters fight for the fathers and mothers, and the fathers and mothers fight for the sons and the children and the grandsons and the uncles and the aunties and everybody else in the family. It doesn't mean wives fight with your husbands. It means wives fight for your husbands. Oh, okay. Husbands, it doesn't mean fight with your wife, it means fight for your wife. Because if you're fighting with each other, I will guarantee you that is not what God is calling us into to build a wall of protection around us. Whenever we fight each other, it knocks the wall down so the enemy is waiting at our front doors to come in. And I want to implore us and I want to beg with everybody, do not fight each other in these seasons. This is not the season for the church to be disunified. This is a season for the church to come together like it never has been seen on the face of this earth. And you will see the earth humble itself in the power and the authority of the living God. His word, his son, his Holy Spirit, and all God's family in heaven and on earth. That's who we fight for. We need to use God's word and the Holy Spirit to rebuild and restore our families. How many of us feel that we need restoration in our families? I want to tell you what, there is only one way we're going to have restoration in our family, and it is the word, God, Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at some women in the Old Testament since we're coming into Mother's Day this next weekend. This, some of these ladies went through extreme hardships. But just because they went through extreme hardships did not mean that they didn't have a destiny. They actually created a legacy through the difficult times. Naomi, her husband and two sons, they left Judah to go to the land of Moab because of a famine in Judah. So here's Naomi, an amazing woman with two sons and her husband. They end up moving to Moab, and they ended up, the two sons married Moabite women. Their names were Orpah and Ruth. Then her sons died, leaving no children. Her husband had already died as well, and now her sons die, leaving her no children. Naomi decides to go back to the land of Judah She's lost everything and tells her two daughter-in-laws to stay with their people. Orpah ends up staying with, staying with her people, but Ruth will not leave Naomi. She clings to her and says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. In other words, do not Tell me, do not push me, do not force me to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. This is a daughter-in-law 
to a woman who has lost her husband and lost her two sons. And one daughter-in-law decided to stay in Moab. And here Ruth is saying to Naomi, don't even tell me not to go with you. Are you kidding me? Kind of sounds like Elisha and Elijah and many other great examples of biblical. Joshua and Moses, great examples of sons and daughters. But this is a daughter-in-law. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. This is like a clear-cut case of the glory and benefits of adoption. Yeah, she was part of the family, but not blood. She was married into the family, but wasn't blood. But listen to what happens here. Verse 17, in where you die, Ruth says to Naomi, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. In other words, I will not separate from you. Remember, her name is Ruth. The dedication Ruth shows to Naomi is amazing. Can you imagine if we have family with that much dedication? God saw the heart of Ruth and knew that he could trust her with great things because he saw her heart. God brought her to a man named Boaz, and the favor of God was with Boaz and Ruth. Ruth chapter 4, starting in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. So this daughter-in-law who has committed her life, her family, to now be Naomi's, has now birthed a son from Boaz. Verse 14, then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day. So now the daughter-in-law, Ruth, who has basically moved into adoption with Naomi, who lost her husband and lost her two boys, but the daughter-in-law wouldn't let go because she made a decision that Naomi was now my adopted family. You and I, we're adopted sons and daughters into the family because of you and I making the decision. Okay, so verse 14 again. Then the woman said to Naomi, this is Ruth saying to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. And verse 15, and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, Ruth, me, your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne this child. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. Be through a daughter-in-law committing into the family 
a boy was born that the people were saying that God has blessed Naomi, the mother-in-law, with a son. Because family is family. And we should look at our grandchildren as our sons and our daughters. We should look at the people around us in our family as most important people that we are to celebrate and be a part of in their lives. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. What a scripture to show this pure adoption in family. I want to encourage you. I travel internationally normally when we're not in a pandemic. I see so many children in Canada, America, needing a healthy mother and father. If you can't have children, prayerfully consider adoption. Even if you have children, prayerfully consider adoption and rescuing a child, bringing them into a family, a mother and a father that will love them unconditionally. Because Obed, this boy, was the grandfather of King David. Through a daughter-in-law came the birthright to King David. And King David followed genealogy and find out who else came from that birthright. David was the greatest king in the Bible, a man after God's own heart. I believe Naomi as a grandmother to King David and Ruth as a mother played such an important and vital part of raising Obed to know the heart of God. Obed then carried this down to his son Jesse, and Jesse carried this down from these women in service and obedience. From Obed to Jesse, and to Jesse's son, David. God used Ruth, a Moabite woman, not an Israelite, to carry on the lineage to King David and eventually to our King and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if Naomi hadn't adopted herself? I'm sorry, Ruth hadn't adopted herself into Naomi's life. Or Naomi hadn't accepted Ruth as a daughter who loved her more than seven sons. See, Naomi could have just camped out, well, you'll never be my son. I lost both my sons in Moab. You're a Moabite woman. You will never be what my sons were to me. But you know what? It doesn't say anywhere that that's how Naomi felt. She must have known from the one she loved and served, God Almighty, that whatever purposes of losing her husband and her sons, she had a daughter-in-law that loved her more than seven sons could love her. Another interesting side note to the mother of Boaz. So now you have Ruth marrying Boaz. 
but who was Boaz's mother. <laughs> Joshua chapter 2, I'm not going to turn there, 1 to 21 talks about it. Boaz, her, his mother was a prostitute called Rahab who looked after the Israelite spies to go check out the enemy's city. <laughs> Think of this. So prostitutes, prostitute mother has a son, Boaz. Naomi lost her husband and sons, but sister, a daughter-in-law, Ruth, come and they meet together, Boaz and Ruth. Out of those two situations comes the birthright of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't ever think God cannot use you for mighty things in his kingdom. <laughs> Don't ever think God can't use you because of your past or because of things you've done or thought. That is a lie from that devil sitting at your doorstep. I want to tell you what. God will use you no matter what you've done in the past. He is calling you, calling you right now to wake up, come alive, and know that He is Lord of all. Never understand, underestimate your potential through Jesus Christ. Never under, underestimate your potential in God's plan. If you think, oh, you're just not really good enough, Lie. That's a lie. From a thief, a destroyer, a stealer of your identity. That is a lie. You are good enough. You are called for purpose. You are called for great things. You are called to stand up, rise up, and go out and live the living gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. Your destiny is so big because our God is so big. The influence you have in your children's lives is something that carries on from generation to generation. Somehow this woman, Naomi, who lost her husband and two boys... had something that she carried in the middle of devastation around her. She still walked in something and carried something that Ruth was so attracted to. She left her, everyone in her family to be adopted into this Naomi family. Boaz Son of a prostitute. Imagine what he grew up with. All the condemnation, the ridicule that probably went in into his ears from people around him. And these two come together to form a lineage to King David. all the way down the lineage. 
until a single man and a single woman who were betrothed to each other And this woman had a visitation from the Holy Spirit that overshadowed her. She became pregnant. Think of the condemnation Joseph must have had. But that lineage traveled all the way down to where God sent His Holy Spirit to overshadow a virgin betrothed to a man, Joseph. A woman also that felt, that was, was seen as worthy to carry God's Son. From the son of a prostitute to a woman who abandoned her earthly family to be united with a woman who lost everything, to be adopted in to Naomi's family because Ruth chose to love more than seven sons could love. I want to tell you what. You take this spiritually now. No matter what your past has held, no matter what your parental upbringing was or family upbringing was, that does not mark you. What creates your identity and your destiny is when you know the Word of God, you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you choose a family to be with, to be a family with, a community to do life with. And you empower your husband or your wife. You empower your children, your grandchildren. These women did it without the salvation of Jesus Christ or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within. How much more can you and I love our families? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. I encourage you right now, if you've been feeling down or limited or held back, cry out the Word of God, I can do all things through Christ Jesus in me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to first part of 7, 7, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 7a. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. Imagine that. The weapons that we walk in are to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus and being ready to punish all disobedience with your obedience is fulfilled, when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? Are you and I looking at things according to the outward appearance right now? Well, let me tell you, the outward appearance looks really, really bad of this world, of our society, of the issues at hand. The outward appearance will depress you. It will frustrate you. It might anger you. But you and I are not called to live with the outward appearance. You and I are called with authority and the divine power to destroy the strongholds in our families no matter what else is going on around us. We have to take captive every thought that we get. Do not allow your thoughts to wander. Take captive the thoughts. Build your children up. Read the word with them. Pray over them. You may be the only covering they have. I guarantee you, children want to hear truth. And if you don't speak it to them, they're going to hear some false truth out there. I tell you, this is the time. Greatest time for you to rise up into the greatness of all that God has called you into. Pray over your family. You may be the only covering that they have. Declare their futures in Christ. There is power in the spoken word. Nations are brought down. Battles are won. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are effective. You can experience the peace that passes all understanding. Matthew 6.21, for your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. From the words of my wife, make your children your treasures. Make your marriage your treasures. Tell them you love them. Tell them that with Christ Jesus in them, nothing is impossible. Listen to the dreams. And help their dreams become realities. I'm talking physical children, but we're also talking spiritual children around us. People, friends, sons and daughters. Listen to their dreams. And help them become realities in their lives. Tell them who they are in Christ Jesus. They are sons and daughters of a king. They are princes and princes of the king 
Their identity needs to be in Christ Jesus, not in how they look or how they dress or what they wear. Kids, husbands, wives, families, friends all need our love and affirmation. And I will tell you right now, everyone needs more love and affirmation during these seasons. And I want to close with a prayer for our families. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. Let's pray this together for our families, our relationships. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that I would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be be filled with all, 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 filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church. To God be the glory in the family by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen.